Welcome to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we can help you get better. I'm your host, Andrew Turiago, and with me, as always, is my co-coach, Ken Romeo. How are you doing today, Ken? I'm great, man. we got a couple days till Christmas break. I, I do have to ask, though, uh, how was the Thanksgiving salmon in the middle of nowhere, Vermont? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Uh, and my parents had to like de-ice some stuff and move some furniture inside, and that was really why they needed to go up to Vermont. So, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So is is Christmas up there too, or are you? Decide- no, I'm uh, going to be uh, down in Vero Beach, Florida. So. Oh, Christmas on the beach. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully the weather holds. Uh, my mom is already out there. So nice. Yeah. Nice. Our uh, Mai Tai, Mojito, Cuba Libre, Cuba Libre. I don't know what any of those are. Coke. <laughs> I like ginger ale. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. Nice. Nice ginger ale by the beach. Yeah, okay, that sounds right. good. Okay, that's good. Well, uh, it is uh, Christmas. It's uh, coming upon us, and I, and I have something for you, man. Oh, yeah. So we've not rehearsed this in advance. Any surprise that I have is real, really and truly there you surprising. Go, man. Wow, it's a Subway card. Thank you, Ken. So, Mr. Triago and I, uh, we do our show prep during our mutual lunch period, which is sixth period here at Middlesex, and Andrew is usually late to that's show true. prep because he has to go to Subway to get that's his... His five dollar foot long. They really still should, have those. They really should be just making me the sandwich in advance every day. Re- well, really, um, really though. It's do they know you when when you walk? Of course in? they do. Yeah. Okay. Do they just say like the usual Mr. Yeah. T? Yeah. Well, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Nice. It would be. Uh, it would be especially nice if um, I lost. I, I, so I yeah. don't know. I don't know what what your what your sandwich of choice is. Mine. I love the uh, the the steak and cheese with some jalapenos and sautéed peppers and. Red onion, a little bit of mayonnaise, like that is my go-to Subway sandwich. What's yours? Not bad. Uh, I have. Uh, I used to get the the honey oat bread, which is now discontinued for being too good. Uh, you know, like all things are. Now I get uh, Italian, turkey, American cheese, lettuce, tomato, spinach, uh, honey mustard. Nice. No yeah. cucumbers. No. It's, it's funny, just I- water. Yeah, but if you have lettuce or spinach on a salad, you might as well get cucumber. Yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway. Subway, eat fresh. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I was trying to say. If uh, if any executives from Subway want to sponsor this episode, uh, our email is 410points at gmail.com, F-O-R-1-0 points at gmail.com. That being said, if Jersey Mike's does too, you know, whoever gets to us first. We're, yeah, uh, next next year I might have a Jersey Mike's gift card for Ken, you know, if, uh, if they sponsor us. Yeah, well, uh, so the Christmas uh, season is upon us and Christmas break, and that's usually a lull in quiz ball action too. I know that there are some tournaments that are going to pick up right after the break, that first weekend afterwards. Uh, in January the next 4th. decade. In the next decade. The next decade of quiz ball. Uh, but there were some recently, so why don't we take a look at the scoreboard? It's time to take a look around the country and dive into the tournament results that have been posted. So we'll pick it up in uh, your Thanksgiving neck of the woods up in Vermont. The Burlington Winter Middle School Invitational was Saturday, December 14th. It used MS-32, and it was hosted by Burlington High School in Vermont. Richmond A and B, they're actually from New Hampshire. Uh, our friends from Richmond, they take first and second place. I'll tell you as a coach, there's nothing better when the finals come and it's your A team and your B team. And, it's a good feeling. And, you know, the, the kids are all excited, and they're they're nervous, you know, especially because the B team actually beat the A team in the, mm. in the previous round. Impressive. But you as a coach, you just sit back and relax and just feel nothing but a sense of pride. So Richmond A and B take first and second place. Uh, they qualify both teams for MSNCT. Coach, we'll see you there. Richmond A goes 8-1. and one. They're only lost, as I mentioned before, coming to Richmond B. Peter Stover of Richmond A is the tournament's top scorer, and uh, they're coached by uh, Alex Lovejoy. Next, we're going to take a look at the River Springs Middle School December Open, which was on Saturday, December 7th. They used IS-185A, and that's River Springs Middle School in Crawfordville, Florida. Uh, Midtown Classical was the winner, 10-0, and they defeated Fairview A 295-205 to in the finals. They were led by their 7th grade captain, Carolyn Cox, who averaged close to 70 points per game, Ken, uh, and Midtown Classical is coached by Kevin Cox. Wow, 70 points a game is pretty good for an ISA set. It's very good for an ISA set. All right, and the last uh, one we'll go in depth was Saturday, December 7th, the Bergen Winter Classic in River Edge, New Jersey. It was MS32. It was co-hosted by Riverdale Middle School and Teaneck Charter, uh, both of them in Bergen County, New Jersey. 
Uh, I this was, one, wait, this one, this one sounds familiar. Yes, I believe you were there too, Mr. C. We were there. Middlesex A goes nine and zero. Their second uh, win of the season. Uh, they defeat Hunter B in the finals. It was actually on the last question, and it was on the very last question. And our captain Grace ended up buzzing in far before I would have known. Well, I, I mean, she's greats in one of our one of our few eighth graders this year but uh, certainly one of our better players um, and been with us for a couple of years so congratulations to grace uh and the rest of the middlesex a team um I'll tell you the guy who really stood out to me though was olin bose from Briarcliff. he was the tournament's leading scorer uh number two overall in the scorer was our sixth grader neve uh he was uh our second leading scorer that is neve seagal who continues to impress keep it up neve uh, other results, uh, Gagey A wins the Holt Middle School Invitational. Treasure Valley from Boise, Idaho hosts and wins their Treasure Valley Middle School Invitational. Always nice to see. And Oak Valley C wins the Westview Invitational. Uh, they average 571 points per game and 26.27 points per bonus. So watch out for that team, Oak Valley C. Right. It, when I was looking at the statistics, it's three seventh graders and an eighth grader. And uh, so they put a whooping on everybody at the, at the Westview. So congratulations. So, Ken, at uh, the Bergen Winter Classic, I was moderating. I had a great room. Uh, I got to see a lot of different teams play. Uh, but I know you were also very busy that day. Can yes, you... I was out at Subway trying to get you a gift card. Ah, okay. Uh, and what else were you doing? So, uh, our friends from Riverdale host the tournament, and they actually co-host it with uh, Teaneck Charter. And they come to Charter Oak. They've been coming to Charter Oak for years now. And uh, they just started running this tournament a few years ago. And the, the person who runs the control room is, uh, is John Mouthy. He's a good guy. Um, and so he asked me to help him in the control room. So I was helping out in the control room. And, you know, as a coach, you really do you want to watch your kids play. You mm-hmm. really do kind of want to get a sense of, uh, of how, they, how they play under pressure. And, and, you know, and if you need to talk to them during the half to give them a pep talk, you want to be there. I will say that we are very fortunate to have so many coaches on our staff that I feel completely comfortable with, um, that if I'm not there watching, they can go watch. And so, so they, they asked me to be in the control room and I'm there and it's really cool when you can see all of the statistics from all of the games coming Mm -hmm. in and really get a sense of how everyone's playing. And, uh, uh, they, they use a cool system there with, um, Microsoft Excel. We'll talk about that in a little Mm bit. Uh, where we can kind of see how things are going in real time. Ken and uh, I, we we actually got to see a, a fantastic game in in real time, but it was like through a, a spreadsheet only. Yes. So this was, uh, if if not last year, then the year before, mm-hmm. we were watching what I believe was a semifinal mm-hmm. with our A team in there, and it was getting towards the end of the game, and I think we were at a point where we needed one more toss-up to mm-hmm. win. And so we're watching the scorekeeper edit the Google Sheet. Yeah, we have we don't have any sound. We don't have any idea what's going on in the actual room. We can just see someone typing. Right, and moving their cursor. Mm-hmm. So as the toss-up was answered, we saw that the scorekeeper's cursor was moving over to our opponent's mm-hmm side and we're thinking oh no they yeah. they got it and what do they type in like five. Oh, and we, we just we went crazy and then the scorekeeper moved over to our side typed in a 10 we got a bonus we ended up winning the match it was great so yeah so that's where i was i was uh helping run the control room because running tournaments is something that i've i've been doing for years uh and i'd like to think i'm pretty good at yeah i uh my classic answer to uh, a lot of tournament questions that people ask me when I'm there is, uh, that sounds like a great question to ask Ken. <laughs> uh, and you know what? I found that that answer has never failed me. So, Ken, you're doing a pretty good job. Hey, and, you know, it's you always have to pretend like you have answers and, yeah. you know, make it seem like things have happened before and you can fix things. And uh, usually usually people believe that. Yeah, just, just ignore the man behind the curtain. So I imagine a lot of you listening are coaches uh, or your high school players that have a very large role in the day-to-day operations of your quiz bowl team. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have hosted tournaments before. Maybe you're thinking about hosting a tournament, and that's what we're here to talk mm-hmm. to you guys about today. Uh, what makes a successful tournament, and um, and how to run that. So, yeah. so, so Mr. T, tell me about it. Yeah, so uh, uh, the, the first reason you'd want to run a tournament 
is uh, obviously the money involved. Uh, you know, uh, with every tournament comes a, a tremendous fortune in your coffers, and you know, you, you really get to uh, you know, it uh, it just uh, obviously balances out your whole budget for the year to just run one tournament, right, Ken? Uh, no, but it is certainly a money maker. Uh, I will say, when I first started hosting our Charter Oak tournaments. The idea of using it as a moneymaker was completely foreign to me. All I wanted to do was basically roll out the red carpet for anybody coming and just have them marvel at how great Middlesex is and you know at the school itself, the building itself, and just have a great time. And we cost the school a lot of money that year That's because true. we just gave away pizzas and bought trophies and plaques and all of this stuff. And I realized this is probably not the right way to do this. So yeah, uh, at the end of it all, you you do want to be sitting on some funds that you can use for your own team. Absolutely. So uh, I would say that is reason number one. Reason number one why you want to host a quiz. No bowl particular tournament. order. No particular well, order. Fair In enough. Order of importance. Fair enough. But it is our first reason why you might want to run a quiz bowl tournament, which is to raise funds for your quiz bowl team. Right. Uh, and if you're a high school team. You know, consider hosting a middle school tournament for local teams. Um, and if there isn't a big circuit in your area, consider reaching out to the middle schools, especially the ones that feed into your high school, and try to drum up some support there too. Because uh, a tournament with 30-plus teams can really bring in a lot of money for you. So, Ken, uh, let's say we have someone out there, a listener, might be you, listener, that's listening right now. Hey, listener. Who decides to do, they decides to run tournament. They have decided in their heart of hearts that that is a great idea. Uh, so what would be your first step, Ken? Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you decided to do that because it's really what got our program off the ground. We were looking for middle school competitions. There was nothing around here. Uh, I remember when I was in middle school in Yonkers, New York, there within the city middle schools there was a you know a, a little competition there and didn't look like that structure was in place anymore either so i just i had one of those field of dream moments if you build it they will come so we did we we built it and we reached out to countless teams we heard back from a few of them and we had our first charter oak with eight teams and it's grown into the largest tournament that we've ever hosted, which is 40 teams. So I would say to you, once you've decided, yes, this is what I'm doing. The first thing you should do is pick a date. And that sounds a lot easier than it actually is because you need to avoid as many conflicts as possible. You know, you have a personal life and make sure that you build it around that. Like, I, you know, we always have our tournaments during football season and I try to avoid a Sunday because I want to watch the Jets for some ungodly reason. Uh, our first Quiz Bowl tournaments, our first Charter Oaks would always be the Sunday before the Super Bowl because I knew that there was no football that day. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of other people that are necessary for the tournaments to be run not the least of which are the players, your players and the players from other teams that you're expecting to come to. And a lot of times we would pick a date, send it out to teams and get back, oh, they're SATs that day. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you're a high school team, all of your players are taking the SATs. Or if you're a uh, you know running a middle school program and you count on your alumni to come back and read questions like we do, if they're taking the SATs, that's way more important to them than your tournament, and mm -hmm. you can't blame them for and that. not something they can get out of. Right, exactly. Uh, we've posed a date, and a lot of our, the schools that come to our tournament are from New Jersey, and the first date we proposed this year was the date of a private school exam that a lot of them take to get into some of the more mm -hmm. prestigious private schools in New Jersey. So we moved the date for them. We were all set. All of our coaches were ready to go, but we needed to move the uh, the date for them too. And so, Ken, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? I don't know how successful a Friday tournament would be if you have teams that are traveling. And I, I can't speak for all parts of the country, but I know here traffic is horrible. And if we're expecting teams to come from New Jersey and cross a bridge, whether it's the Tappan Zee, the Mario Cuomo, um, or the or the George Washington, I can't, I can't expect them to be here with any sort of 
certainty of, of a time. So we would avoid Friday. Saturday and Sunday are usually the best days. Um, and uh, again, like pick a date that you know has the least number of conflicts with all of the people that you need to run the tournament. Absolutely, first and foremost, that is the first thing that you need to do. Um, <clears throat> but there are other steps that you need to take that if this is your first time doing it, might not occur to you. I know in our school, there are forms we have to fill out, a building use form. So if you're a student or if, if you're a, a teacher doing this for the first time, make sure that you understand what uh, what forms you need to go through central office to make sure that the district knows that this is that the building's being used this date. Um, any sort of, um, if you need custodial staff, Okay, that comes from the building use form also. So the district knows to hire custodians to help. And custodians are incredibly helpful on the days of tournaments. If you're Every having, single time. Oh, my gosh. If you're having lunch, you know, they're there to, to help you clean up. Uh, you're rearranging rooms and putting desks all over the place. And our custodial staff at Middlesex is absolutely phenomenal about, you know, putting, putting the rooms back um, because at the end of the day, believe me, we're all exhausted and there's a lot of tabulation that needs to be done and uh, just cleaning up elsewhere. And I, I can count on our custodial staff to, uh, to, to take care of the rooms. Um, so always make sure that, that the school's principal and, the, and downtown is on board with anything that you're doing. Because um, who knows? Chances are they might actually want to come by and check it out too. We were actually very lucky to have uh, our principal come by and watch our tournament this year. Um, some other steps to take that you know are absolutely essential. Uh, make sure you order questions. I know NAQT is a very uh, reputable source for questions, and I would I would recommend them. But there are other options out there too. Can can you don't just handwrite all you know two thousand questions? Uh, there are teams that do. There are programs that that do write their questions, and it will save you some money. Um, I I don't know if i could do that yet yeah i found that um having the questions from naqt at least uh from there rather than anywhere else in my own experience uh guarantees that the questions will be more like what teams are used to right uh and you know you could argue that's a positive or a negative but i think that what that means is that there's not going to be any undue surprises uh like strange content on the packets or content that's not appropriate for middle schoolers um, and, and I just and we've actually we've we've had that middle schoolers. We've had that problem before. We went to a high school tournament and they had two brackets. One used um, IS level, and then the upper bracket used some college level. And I don't know, I don't know what organization this is. And I guess it's kind of good because I'd be throwing them under the bus now. But the questions were finished at like two a.m. the night before and and sent and spelling were, errors, oh, and typos and. And uh, profanity in there yeah. too. Like, it, I went up to the tournament director and I told him, "Like, don't you ever use these questions again? Like, they, that's this is not appropriate for even high schoolers. Like, and I, I understand like high schoolers use whatever language they want, but if they're going to a academic function, competition, absolutely, yeah. like it's run by, to the school, run and sponsored Keep by everything a school, above the board, absolutely. We recommend NAQT as at least one place to get really reputable, easy to use questions. They they print them in color for you. Uh, so even if you're a moron like me, uh, you know that round one is okay, purple. Wait, 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 or wait, 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 wait. They do not print them in color for you. Do you know who does that? You do? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, well, Ken will print them in color for you. Just, just uh, email him at you know for uh, for ten points at, at gmail dot com, uh, and he'll print the the packets for color in color for you. Uh, uh, but I think that little exchange demonstrates perfectly the distribution of labor between Ken and myself. Uh, Ken, you want to talk a little bit about maybe what you do right before the tournament starts that other people take for granted? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, you really have to think about logistics and how large a tournament you can host. And there are two main constraints, buzzers and moderators. And that's why so many tournaments offer discounts for teams that bring working buzzer systems and moderators. Now, over the years, we've actually accumulated a large number of buzzers i still give people a buzzer discount because it's always good to have backups but but moderators are man they're like gold so we, they're probably the can honestly they're probably the most important people there. i, if, I if would say me. no they really are i'm, I'm sorry like a, a tournament can be ruined by bad moderators sure. and 
if a tournament has good moderators, you don't even notice them. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can just let the kids play. It's like a referee in a game. You know, the yeah. best referees are the ones you don't notice. So I, I will tell you, as the person who is running this tournament, between you and the kids playing it, nobody cares more about the outcome of the tournament than you and the kids playing it. Mm-hmm. And that includes the moderators. The moderators don't have as much stake in this as you do. And and as a result, you know, like they're, they're just, they're not as meticulous about things as, as you do. But that being said, they're volunteering, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, if you've ever volunteered for anything, like all you ever want to do is just be appreciated for, for what you're doing. And so that that is, I, I can't stress that enough, all right? If somebody says, hey, I can help you out in the morning, but I have to go in the afternoon, the answer is, yes, that's great, thank you, mm-hmm. okay? Like, just take anything you can get from volunteers and and be happy about it. So, what are where are some of the the places you usually pull uh, troops from? Right. So, our our we're lucky enough to have a lot of coaches, and so our coaches do all help either moderating or uh, running a novice bracket, Mister T. Um, we also have a group of teachers that help us out year after year, and they've become um, veterans of this, and they're very familiar with the rules. Uh, but we also get a big group of alumni to come back and help out too. But we're not ashamed about asking parents to come and help scorekeep. Um, and we look for other schools to send moderators to, um, you, you have to make sure that they are familiar with the rules. You have to make sure that they understand that if they do mess up, it's okay. And there's always a way to fix it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we've had moderators, misread a question or read a question to the wrong team or or misscore something and there's always a way to fix it uh nqt nqt actually goes through uh, on their rules like how to how to fix things you know when when people make mistakes and it's okay you as a tournament director should never lose your cool and i'm saying this from experience i've lost my cool before running tournaments but you should never lose your cool especially when you're talking to volunteers that are there to help you okay they don't mean to make a mistake hey i read um i read five of the wrong questions what do i do now uh you're fired no um i'll I'll just go home because i'm a volunteer well so certainly, like we'd we'd go and see if we have any questions that we haven't read yet. If there's a packet that we haven't used or aren't planning to use, we can we can use those questions. Uh, if since we're only reading twenty toss ups and each packet of NAQT questions have twenty four, we might be able to pull some of those too. Um, so as I'm saying, yes, there's always there's always a way to fix it, and you know I don't think there's anything wrong with with being honest with players and coaches from the other team and saying yes i I know we we made a mistake and you're right you're right to be frustrated that we made a mistake we're sorry we're sorry we we screwed up uh we're gonna try our best to come up with a solution so so should you uh is there ever a situation that's made you lose your cool ken yeah um there was one year where we had a cancellation late so our tournament was a sunday and at 3 30 on a saturday we had a team say instead of bringing two we're only bringing one team and I I hate buys at a tournament and I'll, I'll Yeah, you came to play, you want to play every round. Uh, it, you know, you're just sitting around for 45 minutes. That's that's not, you know, a good It day. also messes up, you know, this team played four preliminary games, this team played five, mm-hmm. a 3 and 2 and a 2 and 2 who has a who technically has a better record. I you know, it's not fair to the 2 and 2 team like well we didn't have a chance to play a fifth game. So it really does create some chaos. Um, we were able to work around it, and we're fortunate. We have a large enough program where we broke our team into another team. But you know, we we it had it caused us to move teams within divisions, and um, eventually, at one point, we had two teams playing each other that weren't supposed to because they each had the old copy of the schedule. Mm-hmm. I guess I forgot to like swap in a new copy of the schedule. So we had two teams that were never supposed to play each other play each other, and I. You know, I met with the two teams and, you know, the other teams that were they were supposed to play. We worked out a new schedule on the fly and everyone was satisfied by that. So it it went on. It went on as as normal. So it seems like what you're trying to say, Ken, is that when you're running a tournament, it seems like it can be a daunting thing. But honestly, all of the issues that can come up 
are solvable. Yes. Um, recently on Twitter, I, I, I tweeted out asking for the biggest debacles they've had in tournaments, and overwhelmingly the responses were teams not showing up when they were supposed to. And um, so, so let me tell you what I think you should do to prepare for that, especially if a team is proving to be flaky. You know, maybe this is the this isn't the first time they've canceled. Maybe they are hesitant to respond to emails, and it's getting to be a week out, two days out, the day before, and they're still not responding to emails. You know, you have to, as a tournament director, you have to plan for this contingency. You have to anticipate there is a chance that I have 24 teams now with this team that I haven't heard from. If they don't show up, I have 23. What do I do then? And even if it's, in my opinion, even if it's the detriment of your program, you have to reconfigure rosters in order to have an even number of teams. Okay? So do what you can to create a make a team of four into a team of three and rinse and repeat that three or four times right and you've got another team now you might be saying okay well i'm a high school coach and i'm hosting a middle school tournament i don't have control over other teams rosters what i've seen and this happened at yale uh which is obviously the college and they had a high school tournament um they had a team drop and they said all right if there's anyone any team that's willing to split their team up they can get in it, another team entered and there's they waive the entry fee and, you know, sometimes teams are willing to take their best player and have their best player play by themselves just to see what they can do. Um, and that way you're back to an even number of teams and, they, and there are no buys. But I, I will say this, and I, I really can't stress this enough. You have to plan for contingencies. Um, create schedules that have 20 teams, 24 teams, 26 teams, 28 teams, and just be ready on the day of the tournament, if something happens where a team doesn't show up, you can quickly switch over. Like, okay, we're going from the 24-team schedule to the 22-team schedule because I'm, I'm moving some of my other players around and I'm, I'm killing one of my teams. So be ready for that. Um, so that was one debacle. The other debacle was buzzers stopped working or people that th said they were bringing in buzzers never brought in buzzers. And the uh, convention is to go to Slap Bowl. Do you know what that is, Mr. T? Uh, I don't know, and so, I think uh, I think slapping is against our student handbook. Well, so. yeah. So that's if you know if your teammate gets it wrong, you slap them in the face, and it's it's comical, but it's not very. It's, it's like a distant cousin of chess box. <laughs> <laughs> Quite distant. Uh, no, I mean it involves slapping the table, and who slaps the table first? And uh, it's it relies heavily on moderator discretion. And you could also just say buzz, right? It, it functionally accomplishes the same thing. Yes, I, I think it might be a little easier to see who slaps a table before mm -hmm. discerning who said buzz yeah, first. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I've seen teams even double up to both say buzz and slap the table. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, there's a cool website, buzzin.live, hmm. um, where you can have everybody on their mobile device or whatever sign into buzzin.live with a game code and they can use that and it actually once someone buzzes in it locks everybody else out so you create the game other people join it kind of like a kahoot other people join it and you're essentially running a lockout system there it's not as authentic the uh, of an experience as using a buzzer system but i think it's better than slap bowl and it's uh it's a good backup plan to have if one or more of your buzzer systems good to know it put. seems like that's that's just another kind of um example of something that might be considered to be a unfixable you know unrepairable error that actually does have a simple solution that yeah. you know an experienced tournament director like yourself might be able to uh propose something to so speaking of you know looking at buzzers setting up all these schedules in advance ken what do you do the day before the tournament that other people take for granted sure um w when other people walk in you you want them to think like this isn't your first rodeo, even if it is. Uh, you want them to think you have your ducks in the row. And, and so th there is a lot to do beforehand. Uh, the, the making of schedules and printing them. The organizing folders for teams so that when you when they show up, you hand them a folder and you can say, hey, this is your schedule. These are your score sheets. This is, uh, I need, these are your rosters that you can fill out. Um, anything that you can do ahead of time, the day, the week before, I suggest you do so that the the scores 
for the teams. Just fill those out. Yeah, in exactly. No, just put the uh, score, put the records A, in. Five sixty-five. You know, uh, Podunk Town B. You know, Neg ten. Neg ten. Exactly. Uh, uh, and then you know, yeah, just, the, the it, results. It's, it's actually super easy. You just send the results into NAQT even before the tournament begins. You know, and uh, then when people email you saying like that's not the results that I had, you can say, look, well, it's what I got from my scorekeeper. So yeah. take it up with them. Just you know, the the scorekeepers and volunteers, you can the, those people can just go under the bus. No, but uh, so the scoring system that we use is SQBS. It's a free um, free software that you can download. It's um, compatible with what NAQT uses to upload onto their website. Um, it's pretty intuitive. Uh, if I can figure it out, it's pretty intuitive. So so we set that up ahead of time. We enter the teams. We enter as many rosters as we know, uh, whatever divisions that, that we use. Um, and again, just we just want to limit what we're doing that morning because as scores start to roll in, you as a tournament director are going to be inputting a lot of this data. Um, and while that's happening... You have other people coming in asking questions and a protest and uh, parents looking for their kids and uh, so many other things to think about that the less you have to do that morning, the better off you'll be. In in Ken's defense, I think I only printed questions once. You only ever had me print questions one time and it might have huh. been the day before even. I don't even remember that. So yeah, it might have been like three years ago, something like that. Right. So so that's the other thing. Print questions ahead of time, and as Andrew talked about, I do color code them just so people know what round we're supposed to be using and yeah, everything looks uh, uniform. It, it's easy to say, uh, you know, the the purple bonuses go with the purple toss ups. Right. That's a, that's a really big confusion that people get. Right. They and take if the wrong ones. And if you are, <laughs> if you have a blue packet of questions and everyone else around you has green, you understand you're reading the wrong questions. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that I I spend hours poring over is which teams go in which divisions. Mm-hmm. So I pour over what the schedule looks like. And there are some different philosophies out there as to what preliminary uh, rounds should look put, like. Put my team, my best team, with uh, the, the D and C teams from everyone else. So that they get an easy 4-0 and then they're they're guaranteed to be in the playoffs? So there are some people that believe that the goal is to qualify as many as as many teams for nationals that haven't already qualified. I I don't believe that. And I think if you listen to our last episode when we answered uh, the mail from one of our listeners when we talked about qualifying for nationals, the qualification has to be... Um, meaningful yeah right exactly so if you qualified because you beat a cupcake schedule and and had a buy and had a buy like is that do you really earn something there so we host the first tournament of the year in our region and so i kind of have to go on reputation sometimes as to which teams i think are good it's not a stretch to say i think hunter is going to be good, or I think Tenafly is going to be good, or I think we're pretty good. I don't think that's a stretch. But there are some teams on, on the bubble that some years they're good and some years they're not. And we also have to assume that A teams are better than B teams, and B teams are better than C teams, and so on down the line. So, Ken, have you ever uh, encountered a team that has uh, meaningfully placed their you know the, all their 8th graders on their C team? Yeah. And... And if they qualified, I'd say, hey, good, good, good for you. But just so you know, I didn't think this team was as good as your your A team. Mm-hmm. And so your A team had a much easier schedule mm-hmm. than than your than your B or C team. And honestly, I don't think that's fair to the other teams in the division with, you know, Podunk C mm-hmm. because I was expecting, you know, I was expecting two other teams to be playoff teams from that division, and now one of them missed it. One of the best teams in the tournament missed the playoffs because you, you're you know playing games with your rosters. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't recommend that. Or if you're going to do that, let the tournament director know ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So in, in years past, we've gone, you know, our A team and our B team are usually very strong, our two best teams. Sometimes our C team is the eighth graders that aren't good enough to play on A and B. Mm-hmm. And then our D team is our top seventh graders or top sixth. This year it was our top sixth graders. And I might let the tournament director know, hey, I think our D team is better than our C team. Like our C team, they're, they're C because they're eighth graders, and I want them to feel like, you know, hey, we're eighth graders, we're mm-hmm. C. But I think our D team is better than our C team. So just know that when you're setting up your brackets. Um, but if if you're going to, you know, 
take my advice. When you set up your divisions, know who your best teams are and separate them so that when they play, it's in the playoffs and it's and it matters. All right. So so Ken, it, it, that being the case, what you're trying to avoid, uh, let me see if I just get this straight, is something like two A teams playing in the first round against each other. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you might have enough A teams where you'll have two A teams playing in in the first round, but Nationals. it shouldn't be it shouldn't be the the first you know the best team in the tournament playing the second best team in the tournament. It, for people who aren't as familiar with seeding like me, I'm not a, like a big. Uh, you know, college basketball type of person. How does it usually go? Does it go one against 16, that kind of thing, one against eight? So I will try my best. If I have 24 teams, I will try my best to rank them one to 24 mm-hmm. and then have my four divisions, you know, seed one, two, three, and four, and then put the fifth seed with the four, then like snake backwards. So, f- you know, mm-hmm. five, six, seven, eight, and then keep the snake going. So, um, and that's what I think is most fair. And you know, if you are the twenty fourth team in that division, if you're, uh, you know, Podunk F, what did you expect? You know, yeah. like it's gonna be rough. Yeah, right. But what what did you expect? You know, you're there for the learning experience. And I I I honestly think a lot of times our sixth graders have this, you know, this this puffed up view of how good they are. And then they'll actually play a Tenafly A or a, or a Hunter A, or or a Middlesex A, and then they'll realize they're they're a long ways away from how good we are. And we talked about that in our last episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what should your role be that day? So you've you've done all of this work ahead of time. You've set the schedules and you've you've planned your contingencies and all that stuff. Uh, at the very, at the most, I think. You should be in the control room and entering statistics, making sure that the data coming in makes sense, uh, things are tabulated correctly. I highly recommend an online scoring sheet. Um, I have a, a Google sheet that that tabulates things for you. I just don't trust people's ability to calculate correctly, mm-hmm. uh, and myself included. Is, is that something you'd be willing to share, Ken? If if there were someone that were to email you and say, "Hey, yeah, I'm gonna I, run a tournament," would I'm, you send me your sheet? I'm pretty sure if if you're on the HS Quiz Bowl forums, I think there's a thread on electronic scoring, and I think I've posted my sheet there. But mm-hmm. um, but that being said, if you want, you can email us, and I will happily send you a copy of. I can our tell you sheet. that uh, anytime I'm at a tournament and they're using you know the different kinds of software, the different kinds of scorekeeping, I always just kind of uh, you know I prefer. Mom's home cooking. I'm always like, oh, I wish I had Ken's <laughs> sheet to type into. Yeah, you know, it's it's intuitive. It looks just like the regular score sheet, but it tabulates all the statistics. Um, we then have something that rolls up everything into what's called a box score, and we copy and paste the box score into a Google Doc, uh, and I, as the tournament director, can then see the, the Google Doc that has the box scores of each of the divisions, and the box score looks like what you type into SQBS. It, if you haven't seen SQBS... All of this sounds very foreign to you, but I promise if you haven't done this before and you, you want to see what the score sheets and what the box score looks like, um, email us at 410points at gmail.com and uh, I will share that with you. Um, it's it's really efficient. We we went from uh, struggling to keep up with 24 a lot teams. of data entry. Yeah, and just, you know, score sheets and like, oh, they didn't add this right and they didn't put this down here and this doesn't make any sense to... Uh, you know, us sitting around with nothing to do, I do after a while. I enjoy copy and paste, Ken. <laughs> uh, so at, at the very most, that's what your job should be. I don't think you as a tournament director should be in there reading questions. Um, and while you might want to walk around and see some of your teams play, I don't think your job should be to coach them, you know, call a timeout and talk to them during timeouts and stuff. Um, you, know, you should be there to... Uh, put out fires when necessary, and really be an ambassador for your school and for your program. Uh, and we're lucky enough that it's not just me, but Mrs. Ivy, Barbara Ivy, is there, and you know she she can go around and see the teams play and uh, and and kind of be my eyes and ears in in the rooms. Uh, but uh, but we've reached out to our local politicians, our state senators, and stuff, and they come in, and and Barbara's more than happy to greet them and and take them around too. So Ken, could I hit you with a, a few questions? Yeah. That, uh, let's let's say uh, these might come up in the course of running a tournament. Shoot. Uh, so you already mentioned teams not showing up. What about a team that shows up that didn't register and wants to play? 
Uh, that would be that would be rough, but um, but keep something in mind. If they're showing up and and they didn't register, or maybe they thought they did, but they didn't. Um, you know, that's money that's going into your account. So if your entry fee is seventy five bucks, hey, that's that's uh, you know a couple of question packets mm-hmm. there. So I would say do what you can to include them in the tournament somehow. And this is what I mean. Like you have some contingency plans so you might have a schedule for 24 teams and all of a sudden the 25th and 26th team shows up if you have a backup schedule for 26 teams you know you can quickly print those pass them out and uh and go with that uh, it's much easier said than done um you know as they come in you might need to say well we don't have buzzers we don't have a moderator uh, so there are some limitations there, but if if the coach is willing to moderate, if maybe if they brought a buzzer, uh, I, I would say bend over backwards. I would say on you, bend over backwards to to get them to play too, um, because it's it's money in your pocket, and you know we're also all here just because we enjoy the game. They enjoy the game too, so um, just trying to make it a good experience for them. And I will tell you, you you know, if you can accommodate them there, you'll. You'll forever be in their debt, and uh, uh, you never know how things come back to reward you later. Mm. So uh, let's say I'm running a tournament, and there's a team that starts 0-2, not the strongest start, mm. uh, and they just you know decide, as uh, middle schoolers sometimes do, to just go home. Thankfully, that's never happened. Uh, we have had teams leave after lunch, and uh, and you know they weren't in the playoffs; they were in consolation rounds. And then there, it's a little easier if you have a bye. You can have two the teams split up and play an exhibition game against the, each yeah, other. I actually, uh, I actually solved that problem myself as a, a junior tournament director, uh, where there was a team that showed up to their final round, and the other team had to leave. They had a wrong long drive back, uh, and that team uh, who you know was in the consolation rounds wasn't wasn't really playing for anything. Uh, other than the the love of the game, at that point, uh, uh, a few parents raised their hand and they said, uh, "Hey, could you know we've been watching them play all day? It seems like they're going to crush us. Why don't we give them a chance to?" Who and, won? Uh, uh, the kids absolutely nice. <laughs> crushed those parents. That's fantastic. Uh, and it was a it was an excellent game. And I, I bet the kids got a kick out of that too. Oh yeah, you know, they, and, they had a blast. Oh sure, sure, sure. So uh, so if you know if it's in the afternoon, like that is it's way easier to handle. But if there's still preliminary matches to go. Uh, yeah, if a team it's 0-2 and leaves, I would say I would probably count all of their other games going forward as forfeits. Um, and so, you know, we said before, buys, this wouldn't actually be a buy, this would be a forfeit, and, and mm-hmm. the uh, team that's playing the, the team that forfeited, it would, it would count as a win. Um, that would that really would kind of throw a wrench in things. And, you know, you'd have to explain to the teams that this is what happened and this is how we're counting it in the standings and stuff. Uh, and hopefully the other teams and coaches understood. Uh, I, I would say though, like that puts you on a, on a blacklist. If you do that, if, if you are going to just give up after two rounds mm-hmm. and go home, uh, that might be the last tournaments you're ever allowed to participate in. I would have to really think long and hard about letting them play again the following year. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in the spirit of the season, Ken, uh, have you ever woken up the day of a tournament and seen a couple inches of snow on the ground? Yes, yeah. Uh, so, it's a great point. And even if you have a tournament scheduled in the spring, sometimes there are freak snowstorms that happen there too. Or early in the fall, there are snowstorms. There was one on Halloween a couple of years mm-hmm. ago uh, that that had to get moved. Um, so, when you pick a date, and I've emphasized pick a date, and you know, look at all. But have a backup date in in mind too, and uh, even if it's a couple months away, you know, it, it, it's it stinks, but there's nothing you can do about it. You know that that is completely out of your hands. The last thing you want to do is go ahead with a tournament when the weather is shaky and have teams that are traveling Long cancel. Rain, yeah. yeah, cancel on mass, or even worse, not cancel and get into some sort of accident on the yeah. way there. Uh, I'll say another thing that that was a little shady that that happened a few years ago was in the afternoon, a team had some players that switched rosters. Mm -hmm. Now, they were playing in consolation matches, so it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but... um, like coaches avoid that. Like you know, the roster you submit is a roster you submit. Don't don't try to change it and don't ask for exceptions. Uh, But you know. If you were the tournament director and that happens, I'd say since they're consolation matches, how you assign those points isn't 
as important as if they were playoff matches or preliminary matches. But uh, but try your best to make sure teams know ahead of time that that's not something that's allowed. Yeah, you're, you're starting to get on very shaky ground there because the, the thing that you'd want to avoid at all costs, of course, is, uh, um, you know, trading players between teams, which is, you know, expressly forbidden. Right. 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 Um, but you know, if you have other questions about running tournaments and, and, uh, you know, please feel free to reach out. It's something that I've, I've done for years and I know a lot of other of you have done too. And I'm interested to hear not only what questions you have, but if you have interesting stories about, uh, things gone haywire, um, why don't you email us at for 10 points at gmail.com. I'm always curious to, uh, hear what went on and commiserate with you. Uh, we actually got a, a really interesting email recently, Ken, um, from uh, all the way from South Korea. Ken, you want to share a little about that? Sure. So we got an email from Michael Harvey, who's the coach from uh, the Seoul Foreign School in, in South Korea. They were at MSNCT last year. Um, and he just gives us a little update about uh, Quiz Bowl in Asia. Uh, it's growing, is, is what he's saying. Um, it, it started back in 2004, and um, and I know last year was the first year that they competed in MSNCT. Uh, it's a little bit growing a little bit faster in the high school circuit than in the middle school circuit, um, but they're, they're doing good work there, and uh, we look forward to seeing them again in MSNCT in Chicago. Um, so, We'll be probably podcasting live there again this year. So come by and find us Friday night and say hi. And uh, who knows? Maybe we can even get a scrimmage with Middlesex and Seoul. I think our kids would get a kick out of that, too. Absolutely. International. Well, if you really want to do well at MSNCT, you're going to have to do well at local tournaments in order to get there. And to do well at local tournaments, you probably have to power some questions. And if you want to power some questions, you might want to take a listen to this episode's buzz phrase. The guys at For 10 Points want to help you answer for 15 points. Power a question with this episode's buzz phrase. This episode's buzz phrase comes from the 2012 BHSAT. One theory of this phenomenon suggests that it occurs when cosmic rays trigger a runaway avalanche of particles and that it may itself trigger terrestrial gamma ray flashes. A descending stepped leader connects a return stroke along an ionized channel that subsequently is superheated by this phenomenon, producing a shock wave. This process may produce fulgurates, a form of glass. The question goes on to mention electrical discharges in the atmosphere thunder so naturally we are looking for lightning but the buzz phrase in the question is stepped leader have you ever seen a super slow motion video of a lightning strike i would highly encourage you to go on youtube and check it out it's really fascinating here are the basics of what's happening according to the noaa website Step leaders developed within thunderstorm clouds when charge differences between the main region of negative charge in the middle of the thunderstorm and the small region of positive charge near the base of the storm become large. Step leaders start to develop when charge differences in the cloud become too large. When this happens, the insulating capacity of the air breaks down and the negative charge starts moving downwards, i.e. leading a path to the ground. Typically, the small amount of positive charge at the base of the cloud near the developing channel is not sufficient enough to satisfy the negative charge that has accumulated along the conductive channel up in the air. Consequently, the negative charge channel emerges from the bottom of the cloud and continues to lead a path to the ground. It is worth noting that the tip of the step leader does not sense the actual charges on the ground as it emerges from the cloud. Rather, it moves out of the cloud. The step leader only senses charges within the 50 meters of the leader tip. As a result, the leader surges ahead in 50 meter segments, or steps, based solely on the charge in the air immediately surrounding the tip. Each surge of the leader produces a small flash of light which can be detected by high-speed cameras. As a result, the path of the leader from cloud to ground can be very jagged and indirect. Consequently, 
the leader does not take the path of least resistance from cloud to ground as it moves blindly toward the ground. In addition, the step leader generally branches outward as it seeks a connection to the ground. Depending on the electric field surrounding the step leader, individual branches of the leader may become less or more prominent. While the step leader develops toward a speed of 200,000 miles per hour, the leader would move much faster if it didn't pause between each of its steps downward. Once it reaches the ground, a massive amount of energy is released in the form of light and heat, resulting in the visible flash of lightning and the audible clap of thunder. So the next time you hear a toss up mention the phrase, step leader, strike first and say lightning. Ken, uh, there are so many electrical puns here that I've actually short-circuited a bit. Uh, I'm going to read you my lightning, lightning round top four. Top four lightning puns. You ready for this, Ken? Boy, I can't wait. Uh, number four, if you want to surge ahead the other team, buzz in and say lightning. Great. <laughs> Ken looks shocked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number three, if you want to hear the audience clap like thunder, buzz in with lightning. Uh, number two, if you hear 200,000 miles per hour, don't pause. Just say lightning. Nice. And our number one lightning pun for today if you want to be more prominent, buzz in and say lightning. Uh, so that has been for 10 points, the best podcast on the web for everything quiz bowl related. Uh, whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, hopefully we have helped you get better. Uh, I am your host, Andrew Triago, signing off for myself and Ken Romeo. Uh, we'll see you all in the new decade. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays.